Welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Donovan, registered dietitian and period recovery expert who has been where you currently are. This is the podcast to listen to if you want your period back month after month or if you want to restore your fertility and feel more relaxed around food and exercise. Consider this your safe space that will take the guests and the stress out of period recovery and bring you the information, the inspiration, tools, stories, and empowerment that are key in getting your period back month after month. Get ready to be inspired, get ready to get your period back, and get ready to get your life back. Come on, let's dive in. Oh, and real quick, before we get to the show, I want to personally invite you to apply now to the Eat to Regain Your Period group coaching or the Eat to Maintain Your Period group coaching. These two programs will help you take the guess and stress out of period recovery or period maintenance. These are the go-to programs to get your period back twice as quick as doing period recovery alone, restore your fertility, and if you've already got your period back, help you maintain your period for life. If you're listening to this podcast, it tells me you connect to one of these groups. Once in the program, you get a personalized structured plan with food and exercise recommendations to get your period back, restore your fertility, and maintain it for life. To learn more and apply for the next group coaching program, head over to periodnutrition.com backslash programs dash overview. Today on the Period Recovery Podcast, I am welcomed by Danielle Donovan, who is the founder of Cheer Fit and a former cheerleader and health enthusiast. Danielle lost her period and found out it was really a problem when she decided she wanted to conceive and have a baby. Flash forward, Danielle regained a natural cycle and has just recently delivered her second baby boy. I am so excited to share Danielle's story with you and to give you hope that not only is a period possible, but so is a natural pregnancy. Let's warmly welcome Danielle to the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Cynthia. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, we have been trying to get on each other's podcasts for months. And I know it's taken so long. <laughs> and we we started our podcast a week apart in May, I believe. So it's taken us this right. And I feel like we didn't even plan it. It could just kind of happen. And then we both said, Oh yeah, I'm starting a podcast. And then we realized it was exactly the same time. Yes, yes. And so I was on Danielle's podcast last week. And so she's on my podcast this week. And so I have so many things I want to cover with you, Danielle, and ask you. But let's first start kind of where you're at now, which uh, is a former cheerleader who owns an online company. And I'll let you share a little bit about that so I don't butcher it all. But you own ChairFit. And you are a former Syracuse University cheerleader. And so tell me a little bit more about, you know, how that particularly growing up as a cheerleader in the fitness industry, you know, in the sport industry, and how it kind of shaped your mindset and body image and nutrition and kind of all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's always been something that I've just been aware of. And even when I was younger, I didn't realize I was aware of. It was just kind of, quote, normalized because in the cheer world, the fitness world, that's just 
having that mindset of, you know, negative body image and, you know, a negative relationship with food and always just focusing on looking or being a certain way is normalized. So I didn't quite realize I was going through these motions. I've been involved in check all the boxes, literally from I was a gymnast my whole life, then moved to cheering in high school, cheer D1 in college, got into the cheer industry, the fitness industry really after college. And so those all, all those worlds really put a big emphasis on body image, appearance, you know, looking a certain way, looking a certain way in your uniform. And it definitely took a toll on me. I was really just so focused on that perfectionism aspect and really just didn't realize how strict I was with things, whether it was, you know, not eating a certain way on game day or trying to look a certain way in my uniform or, you know, comparing myself to all my other teammates. And then fast forward, I ended up tearing my ACL twice while in college, which, you know, is another sign of obviously not fueling your body properly. You're going to get injured, tore my ACL twice and instead of getting surgery, rehabbed it through fitness and then got into the fitness industry and And that also was just very focused on looking a certain way and, you know, always focused on talking about your body and what you put in your body. And so kind of got caught up in that until I realized, you know, the true importance of fitness and created ChairFit now to be a fitness solution initially to help athletes not just prevent injury, but improve their confidence with fitness and really focus on our philosophy of wanting to work out and not having to work out, which Definitely took me some time to figure it out. Absolutely. And I love hearing that, like, instead of like having to work out, actually wanting to work out. And I think there's a big mindset switch there because I don't know about you, but when I was back in the, you know, over exercising perfectionist kind of thing where I would be like, well, I have to work out, but I really want to work out too. That difference between, you know, now we can both distinguish a, a very, very fine difference. But I know for me, I'd be like, well, I don't have to. Like, I want to. Like, I love it. Like, I live to exercise, right? Right, right. And then I would tell myself that. But really, I feel like I was also dragging myself because it was just part of my routine and I was very scheduled. And, you know, I would wake up. I would go work out. I would go to practice. I would go to games. And even though I... I do, and still today, you know, love the feeling of working out, but it's a different feeling of like, oh, this feels good and something that I want to do, not like, I'll feel bad if I don't do it, and that's why I want to do it. Yes, exactly. Or that that hard, hard guilt of like, oh, you're supposed to wake up and go to the gym before work today, but my alarm didn't go off or whatever, and it's like, oh my God, my whole day is ruined. Like, that was me. My whole day is freaking ruined. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it's nice to have that like, you know, there there are some red flags in there if you're, like you said, if you're getting upset if you can't work out or you know you'll be upset if you can't work out, that's that's a that's a red flag there, okay? That's more so you're moving it because you feel like you have to. It's part of routine. So I know, Danielle, you shared, you know, you were a former uh, D1 cheerleader, tore your ACL a couple times. When you were in, you know, the depths of cheering, what was it like for you in terms of, you know, I know you said you were focused on image, fitting into the uniform. Was there any part of you that felt like you focused a little bit on performance? Like, or was it kind of like, my gosh, I need to fit my uniform. I need to look this way versus like, I need to fuel the crap out of my body so I can, you know, perform this stunt and I can do this halftime routine. Right. No, unfortunately, it was more just 
physical looking a certain way. And it just got really caught up in my head in that comparison. I wasn't realizing that nutritional aspect that goes into literally fueling your body for football games. You're there for eight hours. You're there for the four hour pregame, the four hour game. You, you know, get a snack during halftime and you're maybe eating a granola bar the entire day. And I thought, That would help me look a certain way, but I didn't realize the significance and the importance of fueling my body to be able to perform at this elite athletic level, hence why I was either sick all the time or tore my ACL twice. Yeah, yeah. And and I know, you know, for so many of us that are caught in that underfueling place, we might not at the time know that it's a problem with the injuries and stuff, but we get this and tell me if you felt this way. You still had a lot of energy. Like for some reason you still had a lot of energy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. Like I still felt like I didn't feel like I was hurting my body. I felt like I was doing the right things for my body and I was create that positive reinforcement where you're not under fueling, you're not eating right, you're over exercising and people are commenting, oh, you look so good in your uniform. And so that triggers, you know, keeping that that mindset and that mentality and those routines. And so that's what fueled me, not so much realizing the importance of making sure my body could endure all of the things and the skills I was doing to keep up at that level. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that, Danielle. And it is that positive reinforcement is just, the positive reinforcement is actually like a negative reinforcement. We're just not sometimes sure at the time. And, you know, it's crazy to think how when we're that underfueled that we can still keep going like that. I think that's where a lot of sometimes women will struggle and be like, well, I have all this energy and I, you know, I don't feel like there's anything wrong. And the only thing that is, is your stress hormones like cortisol, adrenaline that are literally keeping you alert to survive. So it's a survival mechanism of the body. So that's why despite not fueling enough, we could still have that energy and power through and push through, which is just incredible. Our bodies are just so incredible. Let's dig a little bit into when did you realize like this, this is a problem. And and guys, if you don't know, Danielle did also lose her period at at one point. But how did you think that happened? And then when were you like, oh, crap, like this like whole thing I'm doing is a problem? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it hit me for a while because I yeah lost my period in college. And then after college, maybe it came like once a year. I was so focused on working and working out and fitness and just growing my business that to me, it was like, oh, great. I don't have to worry about getting my period. This, this, you know, I don't have this burden of dealing with it. Yeah. And so it didn't really hit me until obviously, you know, the time of trying to conceive. And then it was just really, wait a minute, my body is not where it needs to be. And, you know, throughout, I feel like that was like a 10 year span. And there'd always be every like other year, I would kind of realize like, wait, this isn't healthy. This isn't good. I'd go to doctor's appointments. I'd go through the whole spiral. Nobody could figure out what was wrong or why I didn't get my period or just go on the pill. And I went on the pill once in college and had a really just negative experience with that. I just didn't feel comfortable in my body. I didn't like how it affected me. And so that wasn't going to be the answer for me. After college, after going through that experience of the doctors just saying, all right, go on the pill. You know, we're not sure why you're not getting your period. You haven't had it in a couple of years, but maybe this is just going to be the answer. And I never followed through because I never wanted to feel the way I did when I did go on the pill. I think it was like junior year of college. So I would kind of go through those spirals. Every couple of years, it would hit me and be like, no, Dan, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't healthy. You need to get this 
checked out. But I would go to doctors. I'd go through different doctors. I'd go through the whole cycle and the whole spiral. Nobody would give me the right answers or things I was looking for. So then I just kind of fizzled off, stopped, and went back to my old routines. Then it was more so, obviously, not having my period for years. And then realizing was the time, you know, we want to start trying to grow our family and conceive that something needed to happen. And that's kind of where I then had to, you know, just start realizing what a toll I was taking on my body and how can I change this pattern to then be able to have a family and get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for so many of us and myself included, like I knew it was a problem. Like you said, like I had a feeling it was a problem, but I was searching for answers. Answers couldn't find it. And then when it comes down to time for conception, it's like, oh crap. Well, this isn't going to happen. So, you know, I, I hope for those that might be listening that aren't at that place of conception, oh my gosh, a period is so, so much more important for just you know, future fertility um, or current fertility. So I wanted to ask, when you went to go see the doctors throughout the years, were there any, was there ever any doctors that were like, uh, yeah, Danielle, like you need to eat more and like cut down your physical activity? Or was it like you said, I don't know what's wrong with you. Here's the pill. Like you're fine. Yeah. It was never, you know, just eating more and cutting down your activity. It was more just here's the pill. You're fine. And there was no, that's why I would just get frustrated because there was no, you know, answers that I was looking for. I wanted to know why. And nobody gave me that. They just gave me the quote solution, but I really wanted to know why and wasn't getting that. So then I would just get frustrated and kind of not follow through with things because there was no clear answer as to why. So if you can't tell me why this is happening and why I'm not getting my period, why is, you know, you are just taking the pill going to help? And like, you know, you always say it it just masks it and it creates that either fake period or it's not, you know, giving your body, healing your body the way you you really need to. And so nobody, it's shocking to me and, you know, nobody told me what, what other options were out there. It was always just the pill. Yeah. And I, I hear your frustration on that because I too, am like, just somebody tell me why. Like, this isn't normal. Like, why? Tell me yeah, why. Yeah, why? Exactly. Just give me the why. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I wanted to know why. <sighs> and uh, yeah, nobody could tell me that. No, and and I and I hear you on that. And with that, of course, you're going to be spinning your wheels and, you know, thinking like, all right, well, no one else can, doctors can't figure it out. So whatever, let's right. just get on with it until there is really a big roadblock, which was, you know, fertility. So I want to ask you a hypothetical question because there's very, very many women that get a diagnosis from a doctor that is appropriate for what they're going through. And they're often, if they do get that diagnosis, they're often told to eat more and exercise less. What do you think, like knowing your old self, what do you think that would have been like for you? I mean, I think... I couldn't just get that diagnosis and say, eat more, exercise less. I love what you're doing because it creates that support. I would have needed a lot of support to really just help me and guide me and show me why I need to eat more, why I need to exercise less, what I'm doing to hurt my body right now, what are the benefits of doing this, and have the support of others who are going through it because I was just so afraid of change and changing and looking a certain way or changing my patterns that... I will probably wouldn't have followed through if it was just me on my own. I would have needed support to be able to realize that 
you need to make a change and this is really important and we can support you in doing so. So, I mean, telling myself now I could look back and be like, you know, and telling anybody going through that, absolutely, it's it's so much better once you make that change. I know it's hard in the middle and hard in the process and, you know, it's a mindset pattern that you've been in for your, your whole life pretty much. And now you have to change 20 plus years of thinking and it doesn't happen overnight. So you truly need that support. And there was nothing out there too. If the doctors were to say, all right, just eat more, you're fine. All right, see you in six months. It never would have happened because I would have been too afraid to make those behavior changes, especially on my own. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Danielle. And I say, like, I think of the same thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, it would have been so much easier if I had someone being like, okay, this is why you need to eat more. This is what's happening to your body. Like, this is how to do it. Here's Mm -hmm. the support. Like, that would have been amazing. Luckily, I was able to, you know, heal on my own, but it definitely wasn't quick and it wasn't as, I don't want to say efficient as possible, but it would have just been more beneficial. And I'm glad you shared that. And I kind of wanted to ask that question because sometimes we're really looking for this external validation from a doctor. And the question is, okay, well, if you did get that external validation, you know, would you implement the changes that are necessary, you know, eating more and resting more? Because it sounds, I don't want to say it sounds easier said and then done, but, you know, like you said, there's been multiple years, potentially decades upon decades of behavior that brought you to your missing period. So, it's not easy to do that on your own and and fully heal. So thank you for sharing that, Danielle. So, okay, we lost our period somewhere back in college, right? And what do you think for you was like the big like, because I feel like for most most of us, we kind of grew up where like health is thin, you know, eat healthy, exercise, you know, just kind of like the motto. But where did it like hit a turning point for you where it was just like all or nothing. I am going to be, you know, the thinnest. I'm going to be the best cheerleader, you know, the perfectionist. Like when was it like, bam, I'm I'm in this? Yeah, um, definitely in college. And one just experience that comes to my mind front and center was in college, I, like I mentioned earlier, I was on the pill because I, you know, wasn't getting my period still. So I was on the pill for a year or so. I was over summer break. And then for cheer, we went back early for preseason and we had to try on our uniforms. And because of the pill, I gained, I gained weight on it and went back and my uniform didn't fit. And I just remember my coach pulling me aside and just giving me this like kind of this look and this face of, oh my God, why doesn't your uniform fit you anymore? What are you doing? What? Why are you gaining weight? What happened over the summer? And really just her words and just embarrassed me and just really triggered me in such a negative way that I went, I've always had that mentality of wanting to be or look a certain way, you know, from being a gymnast and being a cheerleader and just knowing that. I mean, my parents were amazing. They never forced anything on me, but it was once I got into college and started that really comparison mindset and then my coach bringing me aside and asking me why my uniform didn't fit, not just giving me a bigger uniform and say, here you go, let's go back to practice. She really, like there was no other option. And so that really just hit me hard and caused me to really, really spiral negatively being, you know, very, very restrictive and over exercising. And then even worse, she was giving me those, those reinforcements, you know, negative reinforcement. I thought it was positive at the time saying, wow, Danielle, you know, you look so great. Keep up the good work. 
good work, meaning I was restricting my food and not eating anything. But to her, that's that was looking a certain way and how that image was portrayed. And so that just kept me moving in those negative patterns because I was getting that reinforcement. And so that really, really spiraled and triggered me. And that just, you know, throughout the rest of my college years and and then got me into fitness in a negative way initially and just kept that comparison syndrome because I was constantly comparing myself to others and constantly making sure I was, you know, fitting a certain mold. And I could honestly say that really just turned or turned the edge in an, another way. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I just that had to be very, very difficult for you. And, you know, almost more frustrating now, like how, you know, thinking about like, she was more concerned about your appearance versus the performance of her, her athlete, of her cheerleader. Yeah. You know, now I, that's, you know, what fuels me is just that frustration and wanting to help other athletes going through that and other women, you know, you don't have to deal with that and nor should you. And especially in the cheer world with coaches and athletes, just that relationship and knowing, you know, just being careful of what you say, because it truly takes a toll on, on your athletes. And yeah, whether she realized it or not, it, it true. Looking back, it's so frustrating of, I can't believe she caused me to do that, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, cause if you think of, of course, we can't, you know, change the past. But what if she was like, "You need to eat more. You need to fuel. You know, here's a different uniform." Could that have prevented one of your injuries? Could it have prevented you from being sick? You know, we don't know that. But also, I want to say, typically, when people do make those types of comments, typically they're dealing with their own crap too. Like she, somewhere along the line, learned that you know, thin is what you need to be to be a cheerleader, and so it just history repeats itself. So it's it's stinky that you had to go through that, but also, you know, taking your experience of what you went through and now what you get to do, which is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Okay. So that's kind of where it really like took the, really the turn, right? And so coming up on conception and you're like, okay, no period. What, how did you navigate that? How did you figure figure that out? Yeah, so I just knew that was an issue. Knew I wasn't getting my period. I haven't in a while. Knew I wanted to start, you know, trying to conceive. So went to fertility treatment, reproductive medicine. And actually that doctor there was the first doctor who ever said, wait a minute, you haven't had your period. Maybe there's something called HA. And I started to hear about it. We were talking, you recommended the book. And so it kind of started triggering these ideas. And she was the first doctor at a reproductive facility saying, you know what, I think you do have HA. We're going to help you conceive and give you you know, the treatment to be able to try to get pregnant. But kind of just brought that more to my awareness. And so went through all of the reproductive and the fertility treatments and, you know, realized I I needed that, unfortunately, to be able to conceive. Thankfully, it was able to work. During that time, though, is really when I started to change my habits. I had to to go to that extreme. I wish I could have done it earlier on my own. I just wasn't in that mindset yet. I was starting to get there, but didn't, didn't fully dive in with two feet. And so once I was pregnant, though, was really the first time that I wasn't in control anymore, wasn't in control the way I thought I used to be, you know, controlling my food, controlling my exercise. And I was 
having to nourish my body because I was pregnant, because I was growing a baby, I had to eat more. I had to, you know, just give myself that time to relax. And I was drained and didn't have energy, especially the first trimester and had to be okay with that. So that started to really change my patterns. Talking to you, you know, was really helpful or swapping out instead of exercising, you know, what are other things that you enjoy doing that you can do to fill that spot? And that was the first time that I started shifting those mindset patterns. Fast forward, had a healthy pregnancy, and then my body totally reset because I was getting into those mindset patterns. And that's where we are now that I was able to reset, which is great. But talking to the audience, you know, I wish I didn't have to just go right to fertility treatment. If I had the different programs and, you know, was able to do it on my own, obviously that's always so much better. Yes, yes, absolutely. But it sounds like too, because fertility treatment, I I also, you know, did it with my first and I too felt the same. Like I wish I could have done this myself, but there was like no support at the time. There was no like, you know, I really needed clear direction, some structure. And but fertility treatment, I think for you and for I both had its place because for how many years were we trying to figure out what the heck is going on with us? You know? I know. Yeah. Like I feel like I needed that to then have that reset to be like, you know, things always happen for a reason. So I needed that to then be able to realize just how restrictive I was and how much it was affecting my body and my my life. And then because I was pregnant, it was truly the first time was that awareness of, wow, wait, I'm not able to control it in the way that I'm used to. And that was a huge wake up call for me to to be able to start switching and changing my patterns and creating that lifestyle change. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say too, because I mean, I feel this way because fertility treatments aren't always like, you know, end all be all. Like you just do fertility treatments and you just like magically get pregnant. You know, it's much more than that. And for you, you started changing your behaviors. And I, if I do remember correctly, I think it was the first, first round and you were pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. I know. Yeah. Luckily it, you know, and I think because I started changing my behaviors and even doing the, the treatment, I couldn't work out as much. And so started to have to do those switches and was almost surprised, you know, that it did work the first round. I'm very thankful for that. I know that's not the outcome for, for everyone going through treatment, but I definitely, you know, it made me start changing my behaviors and my patterns and my mindset and, and just creating that lifestyle change that you need to be healthy and nourish your body. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. So you conceived, you had a little boy in December of 2019. 2019. Yep. And then after that, do you remember how long it took you to get your period back? Yeah, I think I want to say it was like four months or so after having him. And then my period came back and I was like, Oh my God, what, what is this? <laughs> it's been so long. It literally, literally was years because then obviously, you know, got pregnant and then that was another nine months and it didn't have it. And then so I knew though it was a good thing, you know, like it was my body was resetting. It was getting back on track. And then the next month it came back again. And the next month it came back again. And I was just my body reset. And it was amazing because I was told my whole life, you know, that when I didn't have my period, which was years, you're never going to be able to have children. You're never going to be able to conceive. And then to the point where my body reset and now I'm actually, I'm pregnant with my second and we didn't have to do treatment or anything. And my body was just able to reset and go back to where it was supposed to be. 
so amazing. So amazing. And just I I can relate to the story so much too, just because I too conceived my first with fertility. And then, you know, my second naturally, or I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it could be that easy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I just remember the doctors, you know, as going through all this and just saying, oh, just take the pill. But then also they always told me, you're probably never going to be able to conceive or you're going to have a really hard time. Like, and then just to the point where it happened naturally is insane. You know, just it's so powerful what our bodies can do and what our minds can do as well. Absolutely. And, you know, all along you trusted your intuition and knew, you know, your missing period mm-hmm. was more than just like, you know, a fluke. And so you got your cycle back about four months postpartum. And so when we say reset, so I can't remember what chapter it is in No Period Now What by Dr. Nicola Rinaldi, now known as Dr. Nicola Sykes. But uh, yes, you can reset. But here's the thing. If you are still in HA behavior mode, disordered eating behavior mode and all that stuff, your period isn't going to come back. It takes two. You have a reset from your body, but then you also have to instill the behavior changes like Danielle was doing. Like she she was eating much more. She was resting much more. She did that postpartum as well. So that, you know, is I think it was more of a contributor than just the, you know, quote unquote reset that a lot of bodies, uh, it happens to a lot of bodies. Because there are some women like they they don't get their periods back and you know when they're not nursing and it's like well then what what's going on with the behavior so but it's just so amazing you're expecting mm-hmm. another little boy at the end of february right yes oh my gosh boy moms <laughs> so amazing and it's just so crazy to think you know of the journey and then where you're at now so speaking of what do you feel was your, like, I know your story is a little bit different about getting your period back. It happened, you know, postpartum, but when you had to start to change your behaviors, you know, related to the pregnancy and stuff like that, what, what was your biggest fear? What was your biggest fear? Like, oh my gosh, I'm eating more. I'm going to gain weight. What was that fear for you? Yeah, it was letting go of the control and Mm. trusting my body and trusting myself and knowing that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but just getting to that point and, you know, just trusting. Honestly, I feel like for so long, I was just, I didn't trust it. I wasn't, you know, I was afraid if I ate this, then I would gain too much weight or whatever it was. I didn't trust it. So I restricted it. And so finally being able to let go of that control and then to control of exercising, like I was working out because it was part of my schedule, part of who I identified as part of just my routine. And somebody too told me, which I, love this is that exercise is a form of self-care, but on the days that you're tired or you're drained or you're hurting or you don't feel like working out or you're not motivated, there's other forms of self-care that you can fill that with. So really just being able to still have that time of self-care, which is so important, but that doesn't just have to be working out. That can be, you know, getting your nails done. That can be journaling. That can be meditating. That can be baking. That can be, you know, you can fill that with so many other things. I was afraid of letting go of that control because I was afraid of what was going to happen on the other side. But you have to trust the process and really just you have to go all in. You can't just, you know, maybe I'll try this and then not this. And then you're going to fall back to those old patterns. You really just have to jump in and trust the process and get that support because that's what's going to carry you to the other side. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, just really trusting the process and trusting our bodies because for so long, I almost think of it like 
I used to, this sounds weird, but hopefully I know you can follow, hopefully the audience can follow, but it's almost like I, I live separately from my body where I was just like constantly always like having external forces control it, whether it be the newest diet or something someone said that created more, you know, positive slash negative reinforcement. It was never about listening to my body and what it needed. It was just like, yeah, it just almost like a separate, like, I was not friends with my body. We'll say that. Yeah, no, not at all. And I just remember too, focusing so much time and energy on thinking, okay, well, if I just ate at, you know, nine o'clock, my next meal can't be one till one o'clock, but I'm really hungry. What am I going to eat for that one o'clock? And then just constantly thinking of, wait, I'm really hungry now, but no way I have to wait one more hour until I can eat, which is ridiculous. But I would spend so much time and energy, you know, not listening to my body, not being friends with my body, not not giving my body what I needed and focusing on, you know, okay, when can I eat next? Oh, one o'clock. All right. That at one o'clock. And then you eat, you're still hungry, but then you're like, oh wait, now I, I can't eat until four o'clock. And I would spend so much time and energy just thinking about being so structured and so routine and so on time blocks that it took such a toll on me. And I was focused on that instead of doing the things that I enjoyed because I, and that caused me to miss out on things too, because let's say you're at dinner and you're afraid to order something or you're afraid to even go to dinner because you don't want to be put yourself in that experience or that environment of feeling you know, out of control. So yeah, that would definitely just, again, something that created that, that space where you're not, you weren't listening to your body. I wasn't friends with my body and needed to be able to release that to then be able to heal. Yeah, absolutely. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, we learned that hunger is the enemy for some reason. Right, if you're hungry, yeah. like, no, you can't possibly be hungry. You just ate, right? And it's like, well, first of all, if you're in a calorie or energy deficit, your your body's already hungry no matter what you've eaten that day. But thinking about, oh, I'm hungry. Let me just drink a glass of water. Oh, I'm hungry. Let me chew a piece of gum. <sighs> Were you a gum chewer, Danielle? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. As you said that too, I was like, oh my God. Yes. Yes. And then too, actually, this just hit me. I would chew so much gum, so much gum. And then now I've realized lately, I don't ever even feel the need for chewing gum. And now that just equated because I would fill that hunger with chewing a piece of gum. And now I could care less if I had gum or not. (laughs) The obsession was real with gum. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so funny. I never even thought of that. And that's so true. But I did it to fill the, the void of, you know, being hungry and not wanting to eat because it wasn't time yet. Yes. And and two, like if you chew enough gum with artificial sweetener in it, like you're going to get pretty bloated and it's going to fill your belly up. But yeah, gum, oh gosh, lots of gum, lots and lots of gum, all different flavors, all different kinds. Definitely not the sugary gum though, sugar-free only. Can I tell you, I haven't chewed a piece of gum like sugar-free gum. I've chewed like bubble gum because like sometimes my kids will have bubble gum, but I haven't chewed a piece of sugar-free gum in over six years. Yeah, no. I honestly, I didn't just make that connection until just now when I realized I never have gum anymore. Never crave it, never think about it, never want it. And it was definitely because I was using it to fill the hunger void. Yep. Yep, totally. So (laughs) yeah, so gum is not a hunger, you know, well, again, going back to the hunger, like hunger is not your enemy. Like 
being hungry is not your enemy. If you think about it, it's a physiological thing that happens just like having to pee, right? But we're not like, oh my God, you just peed. How can you go pee again, right? Right. It's like, oh, I drink a lot of water today. Or for most of us that are suffering from HA, we're frequently urinating because we have very low estrogen, which could be really annoying, but you still are taking yourself to the bathroom eventually, right? So, you know, those, why aren't we listening to our hunger? And that's because somewhere down the line, we were taught hunger is your enemy or like you just ate, you know, you couldn't possibly be hungry. So there's lots of factors that go into that. But the thing is, if you are hungry, you need to eat. And that is going to create a relationship with your body that's like, oh, like she is saying she's hungry and I'm going to feed my body. And now my body's going to be like, oh my gosh, there's food around. Like even though you know your pantry is like two steps away, your body is finally going to be like, oh, there's ample food around. Like I can survive around here. So I want to know, aside from being able to naturally conceive, Danielle, how else has your, your health improved? with, you know, making sure you're fueling adequately and resting adequately. Yeah, I mean, so many ways. My whole lifestyle has changed and I've just been that food freedom and being able to enjoy going out to dinner or being able to not go to the gym because something up something else popped up or just being able to enjoy the holidays and quality time with friends and family and I can't tell you how much that used to stress me out. And then even, you know, on the physical side with, I was diagnosed with osteopenia at, you know, 20 something years old because I didn't have enough enough estrogen. And then afterwards went back to the doctor and now my numbers are increasing and I don't have it anymore. And so it just actually, no, it wasn't even osteopenia. It was osteoporosis at 20 something years old. And uh, so now that's reversing and just, you know, my bone density is getting better. And just on that note, you know, that was something that did it really alarm me of, oh my gosh, well, what's going to happen when I'm 60 years old and I can't even, I'm going to have fractured bones and that, that started to hit me. But really just the lifestyle and being able to enjoy moments, enjoy experiences. And even if I used to be there at the holidays, I wasn't enjoying it. I was constantly thinking about, oh my God, I want this cookie, but I can't have this cookie. I wish I could have. And spending so much time thinking about food instead of the moment. And now I can truly just enjoy that time, especially with my son, you know, be there with him and, and, you know, experience Halloween and and the fun, you know, baking things and making cookies and showing him that there, there's so much more to life than, than restricting and being in a certain schedule. So it's just opened up so much freedom that I never even knew was possible because I never let myself experience it at all. So it's just been game changing for sure. And just telling, you know, those listening. And I know it's scary and and that messy middle where you are going through the motions, but it's truly so, so worth it to be able to have that freedom, both the food freedom and then the freedom of doing and experiencing and just being involved on such a better level. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that, Danielle, because literally sometimes I think of the end journey, which there's always something that you're going to be working towards or on in your life. But like the end journey, it's it's really indescribable almost, right? How it has changed your life. And I know changed my life. I still to this day, and it's been many, many years where I've been fully recovered, where I'm like, this is freaking awesome still. Like I don't have to like, you know, this weekend I went out 
for drinks and happy hour and appetizers. And the next day I, you know, had another event and then birthday cake, like with my mom on the, the same Sunday, like all these things, which before would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm having cake on Sunday. So then I can't eat this on Friday. And then, oh, that means for lunch, I better, you know, pack salads all week, you know, all the all the stuff that goes through your mind. And absolutely. That even just hit me too. Last week, we did a gender reveal for, you know, the second pregnancy. And we started off the day with, you know, family, we had bagels. And then that one would have never happened. I would never have eaten the bagel. I would have had like two pieces of fruit or something. And then after the bagel, we did a gender reveal with cake. And so then we cut the cake and then had cake and having bagels and cake on the same day would have blown my mind, you know, and just thinking that was normal, that was fine. And just being able to enjoy the experience of doing the gender reveal was so eye-opening. So when you said that too, just, you know, going out and getting appetizers and drinks and not having to worry about it, same thing, having bagels and cake. Like it just, I had so many restrictions and rules that I can completely release now. Yeah. And it's, it again, I wanted to say it's indescribable. And yes, there is a messy middle, but it is, like Danielle said, 100% um, worth it. And especially too, for those aspiring to be moms one day, whether it's in your next year, in the next month, or it's in 10 years, having this mental freedom around food, body, exercise is going to allow you to be so much more present for, with your children and just so much more of amazing mother. So it's it's really powerful. And it's it's I have to say, the work isn't easy to do either way, like trying to get your period back and really feel comfortable around food, your body and exercise. But I would imagine it would bring up more challenges with a little one running around, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And two, you're spending time and energy on something regardless. So it's also not easy restricting things and thinking of, you know, Counting your calories and eating at certain times, that also is very difficult and draining and way more so difficult and draining than making the changes and trusting your body. And, you know, it's not easy either way, but think of where the outcomes would be and, you know, what positive outcomes lay on both sides and weigh those options. Because that too was so hard, way harder, actually, you know, just being so stuck in a certain mindset and restrictive pattern that you weren't able to open up to new opportunities. Yep. Absolutely. And I agree 100% Danielle and be like, okay, so two types of hard, right? We have the hard of staying where we are, Mm -hmm. right? Restricting like all those things. And then we have the hard of pursuing period recovery and food freedom and stuff. So there's two hards equally, probably as hard, but one of them is going to lead you to the outcome that you're, you're wanting and you're desiring. The other one is going to kind of just keep you stuck there. Yep, absolutely. So I know you offered lots of tidbits of advice throughout our, our episode today, Danielle, but I'm wondering if you have any any more bits, nuggets of advice to women out there that are kind of stuck in this messy middle where, you know, they are, they know it's a problem. They've made efforts towards eating more and resting more, but they're still not to the outcome that they want to be either having a period or maybe conception. Yeah. I mean, really just finding that support that you need, getting the answers that you need. If you're trying to find out why for things, getting that those answers, but truly having that support system to 
I, you know, I'm a natural born cheerleader, just cheer you on during those challenging times, celebrate those wins with you and have the support structure that you need to carry you through because every day is going to look different. But if you have that support and people to rely on and help you stay accountable too, because on those hard days, it's going to be our, our mindset's going to want us throw us back, back to those old patterns and old behaviors, but you have to have that support and constantly you know, be moving forward and open to the change and having, realizing the bigger opportunities that are on the other side of change. And change is really, it's a good thing, you know, and you have to just get past that discomfort and realize that your why behind and wanting to make a change. And I think that's going to fuel you and really drive you as well on, on especially those harder days because they're going to come up. But the more you surround yourself with a supportive group, the more you doing this because of your why that's driving you. And then to remembering, celebrating those wins along the way too, you know, oh, I had a bagel today. Like I wasn't thinking about food. I could order what I want and celebrating those wins and reminding you of that feeling of freedom and how much better that feels than feeling guilty or feeling restrictive or missing out on on experiences because you were in such, you know, a negative headspace. Yes, that is amazing advice and I couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you for sharing that, Danielle. And I hope you guys find that really helpful. And my very, very last question I always like to wrap up with because to me, you know, my goal with, you know, period recovery for all the women I work with and for the, you know, my audience out there, I don't want you just to get your period back. I want you to get your life back. So I want to know for you, Danielle, how are you living now? And it could be good. It could be bad. It could be indifferent. Just if you could share with us, how are you living now? Yeah. I mean, I always have the motto of turning a challenge into an opportunity. And just through this experience and through this challenge has realized how much freedom and opportunities that it's given me and opened up. And I know, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning, I have my own business, which is a it's a fitness program and primarily was for cheerleaders and dancers to prevent injury and improve their skills and build their confidence. But it's grown into this global movement, connecting women and around the world to build confidence through fitness. And I'm able to, through my experience, be able to help girls and women to switch their mindset around fitness and work out because they want to and because it feels good on the days that they are working out and and not feel guilty around that mindset. So through my challenges and experiences, have been able to help so many other women, which just lights me up literally every single day. And so I love what I do. And it's because I was able to go through this experience and now can help others who have had a similar experience or currently going through that experience. And you know, I know you do a lot on the nutrition and the mindset side. And so it's kind of the, the opposite on the fitness side and then find that passion and connect women to to fulfill that passion and do what lights them up because they want to. So I feel like I have so much more freedom and knowledge that I'm able to share with others, which has given me so many opportunities and opened up so many doors for growth of our business. It's so amazing and so beautiful, Danielle, because you're, you filled your cup, you filled it, and now that cup is able to spill over to hundreds and thousands of people across the world. And I would 100% agree with you. There's nothing more that lights me up inside as as well. And I don't mean to take your shine away from how you're living now, but I just, I can connect and relate to that so much. And it's just so exciting because something that was really stinky and crappy that happened, like, did you know you would be do like, you knew you always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I get that. But like, did you know you'd be able to impact so many people's lives in such a beautiful way? 
One of the things too, just to mention quick, that really changed things was opening up about it. I feel like for so long, I kept it inside and I finally did a post and I started opening up about it. And that literally changed the game because it flipped my mindset too of like, wow, I can help people and I'm authentic and I'm being genuine and I'm sharing my story. And now so many people are who are going through the same thing. I have teammates from this exact same time we're on the same team come DM me and message me and share their experiences. And so it's really just by opening up and sharing my experience has helped me help so many others. And, you know, going through it alone is so hard. And I was struggling for so long and putting on this fake image. Um, that's not who I was. And so by being able to open and share, and that's why the support is so important and just share what you're going through. Don't keep it in. Don't keep it to yourself because it's so much harder. And so if you can open up and connect with others who are going through that experience and help each other and that that truly changed the game for me and, and my business because women were able to relate and say, oh my gosh, I'm going through this too. And just build a strong relationship based off our experiences instead of just a transactional or, you know, just sign up for this program type of relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. And I was, I remember the day that you shared, I was like, yay, I'm just so excited because I know too, for me, I I kept my crap in for a long time. And right. I feel like, yeah, I would talk to you about it. And you helped me through so many things and just especially, you know, in the beginning days of pregnancy and stuff. And you would always, you know, give me that support. And then finally opening up about it. It was just, yeah, so much. I didn't know what to expect. And it was so so, so much helpful. more beautiful than you thought. And, yeah. you know, yeah. for those out there that might be in a position, you know, of, I don't know if you want to call it influence, you know, Danielle, I'll share her contact information in a minute, but you can be such a help to so many others, but also to when you're ready, you know, to share your story, you're ready. Like, you know, Danielle, if you wanted to share it like five years ago, you probably wouldn't have been ready. Right. So you do it when you're ready and yeah it just it's it's beautiful how your your story of hardship can just be such a light for so many others Yeah. And that truly drives me. Yes. Yes. Same. Well, Danielle, it was just so amazing to chat with you and to catch up and to share some of your story. I really appreciate you being so open and honest. So I want to ask you, so any of the followers that want to connect, because I can guarantee there's lots of cheerleaders or former cheerleaders that probably follow my page. Where can they find you? Yeah, so you guys can follow us over at CheerFit Training on Instagram. And we have a podcast too called Life After Cheer, where I interview all successful women today, whether business owners, industry leaders, entrepreneurs who at one point in their life were former cheerleaders and dancers and just sharing their experience, how it has shaped them to who they are today. Cynthia was on the podcast. You can check out that episode or you could just go to cheerfittraining.com to learn more about our digital communities and our certification if you want to get certified and lead others through your passion of cheer and fitness and helping, helping others build their confidence. Amazing, Danielle. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Cynthia, so much for having me. I love chatting and connecting. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to think and reflect on how this could be helpful in your period recovery journey. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Period Recovery Podcast. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and I'm so excited and grateful you are here listening with me. If you need more support on your period recovery journey, schedule a time to chat with me on my website, periodnutritionist.com. If you found this podcast helpful, 
Please help me spread awareness on missing periods by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with others. Are you ready to get your period back and your life back? I'll see you in two weeks.